Amen. Good morning, church family. This morning, we're going to read about what did the crowd say when Jesus was entering Jerusalem? What did they say? They said, Hosanna. We sang about that. And so let's, let's read what that looked like and sounded like in Matthew 21. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? <laughs> and the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for entering our hearts. Lord, we welcome you into this place. We just, we need you by your spirit to lead us each day as Neth prayed before that, Lord, we could be filled up with fellowship, with your word, with hope, so that we could share it with people around us who are in need of hope and purpose and forgiveness. God, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for going through what you went through when you entered Jerusalem. And God, we just ask that you would speak through our pastor, Chris. Thank you for our church staff. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know what your bedtime routine is like, um, but I know that when I get ready to go to bed, I normally have to plug my phone in, right, because it's been a long day and I've probably been on it uh, too long. Um, but I have this little lamp beside my bed where I plug in my phone, but it's one of those kind of cool touch lamps, right, where you tap it and it turns on. It's not a clapper. That would be pretty cool, right, back in the day. But you just tap it a couple times. But, but just, just this last week, right, um, about 3 a.m. in the morning, I, I got something. My phone buzzed for some particular reason. And, and I remember turning over and trying to grab my phone but hitting the lamp instead. Anybody done that before? And, like, all of a sudden, your, your dilated eyes are like, Whoa! like, it's like the lamp is burned into my retina, Right, And for like several minutes afterwards, I'm trying to go to sleep, and there's just a lamp in my brain, right? And so it just, it's almost like it burns this image into your mind, right? And that's what's going to happen today. Jesus is going to burn an image into the minds of the people in Jerusalem called this triumphant entry, right? This entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is going to be one of those core memories. You've heard of that before, right? Anybody seen Inside Out? Right, back in the day, right, you have these core memories that de help define who we are. I don't know what your core memories are. I have tons of them. I remember being picked last for dodgeball. That was a core memory. Maybe it isn't for you, but it was for me, right, this core memory, right, and we have all these things in our life. Well, Jesus is going to give all of his followers this core memory today. Because if you remember, we've been walking with Jesus for many different weeks now, and, and Jesus would heal someone, and they're like, hey, don't go tell anybody. Right? And then he'd heal someone else. Go show yourself to the priest, but, but don't tell him what happened. Right? But today, Jesus is going to hear Hosanna, and he's not going to shut it down. Today, people are going to praise him. They're going to throw cloaks on the ground, and he's going to accept their worship. Because he's preparing for this final week 
This final week until Jesus is, is, is killed upon the cross and resurrected from the dead. We're entering this passion week in our story. And so we're going to see it starts off with this amazing entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But let's rewind. Because last week we were in chapter 20, and we're a few verses away from the end of the story. Okay, pick it up with me. I'm in Matthew 20, starting in verse 29. Okay, and it says he went, and he, when he went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. So remember our map, right? We've been looking at this map where Jesus started in Capernaum, and he's been traveling down, went down the Jordan River Valley, and now he's crossed back over to Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? Still a town there. And he's going to travel into Jerusalem. And as he's going along that way, these two men cry out to him. And behold, there were two men, um, blind men, sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. So here's this crowd. Following Jesus, two blind men on the side begin to yell out, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David. Now, we've heard this term before. Son of David. What does that term mean? Well, it's calling him the blessed king, the one to come. In fact, when we look at this son of David name, the significance of it, there's really four things that we need to take from it. Number one, in the genealogies, right? Remember back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, very beginning, it said, this is the, the genealogy of Jesus, son of David, that this Messiah, this king to come, had to be in the line of David, right? And, of course, where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem, also known as the city of David, right? So there's that tie to it there. But the real reason this is so important is because of this Davidic covenant. God's covenant with David back in 2 Samuel right, chapter 7, we see this covenant begin to unfold as God is speaking to David, right? And the verse talks about how he's going to establish his kingdom, right? It says, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with the words that Nathan the prophet was speaking to David, right? So his, David's throne was going to be established forever. But then Solomon came, and then the kingdom fell apart, and it split. But then there was going to be this coming one, this Messiah, this son of David, who was going to come and restore all things. So when they yell out, son of David, they're calling him Messiah, king. But also it ties back into the tribe of Judah, right? Remember the tribe of Judah, right? When Jacob had all of his different sons, right? And we see this kind of um, formatting of Jesus being this line of Judah. In fact, if we go to Revelation chapter 5, we see sort of this name come out. Um, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming aloud with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And so he can open the scroll in its seven rolls. And Jesus 
comes in, right? And he opens the scroll, and these cool things begin to happen uh, around the earth, right? But this idea that Jesus was going to be this line of the tribe of Judah, this root of David, the son of David. So when they cry out, son of David, they're saying, king of kings, blessed king, help us. Now remember, Jesus is on a journey, isn't he? He's on the journey to Jerusalem. This is the same day that he's going to ride into Jerusalem. But look what happens in the story. This is what I love about our Savior Jesus. Um, And they yell out, have mercy on a son of David. And the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. And they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them, what do you want me to do? For you, They wouldn't be quiet. The crowd's telling them, guys, be quiet. We're on the way. And they're like, no, we're crying out all the more. Is this how you pray? Is this how you speak to God? Persistently? Jesus, no, he has a mission, right? We know he's been going. He's been telling the disciples what's about to happen. And yet here Jesus stops. He says, what would you have me do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And in pity... He touched their eyes, and and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. I love this picture. There's a crowd of people. Jesus is on a mission, but these men cry out to him, and they're not too insignificant for him to stop and to turn and to walk to them. He doesn't just do a drive-by healing, does he? He doesn't just like, oh, yeah, be healed, be healed, I'm on the way, right? This isn't like an impersonal God. This is a king that is never too busy for his people. This is Jesus. Jesus is not too busy for you. Yes, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He holds all things in his hand. All things hold together and created through him and for him. But he loves you. And he's willing to stop and to give you his attention. And here he goes over and he touches them and he heals them. They're no longer outcast outside of Jericho, outside of the city. They're now a part of of him, come and follow me, come, be, come along, and now you get to see me go into Jerusalem. What a picture. What, what a picture leading up to this story that Jesus is never too busy for his people. And so verse 1 of chapter 21, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, and then Jesus sent his two disciples. So here's the picture. Let's, let's zoom into our map a little bit to let you know, because for this final week, of Jesus' life, all these places are going to be important, right? Bethany became kind of the home camp for him over this final week. But he went to this town called Bethphage, right here kind of on the Mount of Olives, before he went through the Kidron Valley and then went up into uh, the temple. Now, I had a chance this summer to visit um, the Mount of Olives and to stand on the Mount of Olives. Here's Here's a little video that shows you kind of what it looks like. I don't know how you picture this valley, right? But You can see that the Temple Mount, where you're going to see the Dome of the Rock, is not far away from this point on the Mount of Olives. That this this valley is not so deep. It's almost more like an amphitheater. Whereas Jesus is going in, the people from the Temple Mount are going to be able to look down and see, hey, something is happening over there. Hey, right over there, something is going on. I know we think of like mountains being spread out and these huge things. But in Jerusalem, everything is very tight together. And so as Jesus begins this entry, the people in Jerusalem are going to see what's happening. They're going to see, hey, his followers are making, there's something new going on in this scenario. Okay, so um, here we go. Then he said to his disciples, 
saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and I will send them, and he will send them at once. Okay, so what does Jesus tell the disciples to do? Go into this next little town, this next village that we're going to go into, and you're going to find there a donkey and a colt together, and I want you to take those colts, and when the owner is going, hey, why are you stealing my donkey? What are you doing? He's like, the master has need of it. I don't know if this was like a password or if this, this person just knew Jesus and knew this time was going to come, but he lets them take them, right? And they're going to bring these things back to Jesus. Now, have you wondered, like, why a donkey? I mean, if a king is coming in to a, a city to show that he is the, the king overall, would you ride a donkey? Or would you ride like a great battle horse, right? Or like a camel would be cool, Right? Just to ride in. But yet he's choosing to ride a donkey. Why? Why a donkey, right? I mean, it's a beast of burden. It carries the burden of, of other people's stuff, right? It's a humble animal, right? It's like a, known as a peaceful, little stubborn, right, animal. And yet it's going to be this picture of Jesus who's going to carry the burden of our sin for us. A picture of humility um, who sat at the right hand of God, but he came to the earth not to be served, but to serve, right? We see this picture of Jesus coming in peace. But it's interesting because you have this, like, colt and this donkey together all at once. And you're thinking, wait, didn't you just read a verse from Revelation 5 about the Lion of Judah? And now it's like he's on a donkey like, what's going on? But these terms, right, this term of like a donkey with a colt is so interesting. Um, when you have time this week to, to look back at let's look back at the beginning now. Go to Genesis with me. Because I think there's this interesting tie-in together with Jesus coming into Jerusalem was not by accident. Like, this was the plan all along. Look back at Genesis chapter 49. We have, we have Jacob blessing his sons, right? He has his 12 sons, and he's going to be blessing them in this chapter. In verse 9, we see his blessing over Judah. Notice how it, how it goes. It says, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, that you have gone up, he stooped down, he crouched as a lion, as a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Oh, wait. The Davidic covenant, the one we read in 2 Samuel, actually started back with Judah. That Judah was going to be the kingly line, right? The scepter will never depart from it. Until tribute comes to him, to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Look at verse 11. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. There it is. Both of them mention together in this story. So what's going on? Who, who is it that binding his foal to the vine? Who is the vine? Oh, wait. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. His donkey's colt to the choice vine, to the perfect vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. And we see this picture of what is this uh, donkey and this colt going to deliver Jesus to? His death. His blood, which will be spilt for us, do this in remembrance of me. So you see, even in the book of Genesis, we have these sort of echoes 
of the Lord's Supper, these echoes of the triumphant entry, these echoes of the kingly covenant that we have with David, that God has been planting these seeds all along and cultivating them so that we could see as Jesus is coming in that there's more to the story than just a guy riding his donkey into Jerusalem. That Hosanna, it's Jesus who saves. So this picture that we see here is not by accident. And you're going to find that out more and more as we go through the story because Matthew is going to keep pointing back to the Old Testament that Jesus was fulfilling all of these things that were pointed out in the Old Testament so that the people in Jerusalem would have no doubt to Jesus' intention that he was the suffering servant, the Messiah that was to come. Here's a first example of that. Look at verse 4. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Here's a prophecy from Zechariah. So this prophet is Zechariah. Now, let me introduce you really quick to Zechariah, because he's not one of those most common prophets that you think of a lot of times uh, when you're studying prophets, okay? So when we think about um, Zechariah, and we think about his life, right, I want to show you a timeline for kind of when Zechariah appeared on the scene, okay? You'll notice over here on this timeline, that's, Zechariah was around 500 to 450 um, B.C., right? That means that this prophecy we just read was 500 years before Jesus fulfilled it right in Jerusalem. That 500 years before, Zechariah said, your king will come in mounted on a donkey, a beast of burden. Whew, talk about calling your shots, right? 500 years? That's like, how long has America been around? Not that long, right? So he's, he's calling his shot out there. But, but notice Zechariah is over here, and when we look at the kingdoms of the world, right? We had Assyria, which conquered the northern part, Israel, but Judah was still there. But then Babylon comes in and crushes them, right? And then, then Persia comes in and crushes them, right? Daniel and Zechariah would have been close to around the same time, because both of them would have had King Darius. Remember Darius through Daniel in the lion's den? After he'd been tricked to do that, Darius also was around when Zechariah was around. And when you look at Zechariah's book, it's so interesting. Some good, fun homework reading this week. Because when you read the first eight chapters of Zechariah, it is weird. There's these visions and these dreams and things flying around and all these symbols. Reminds you of Daniel with the vision of the four beasts that come out. And, and there's a ram that runs into this goat and all this kind of interesting stuff that's going on. But in chapter 9 of Zechariah... Zechariah begins to transition to this coming king, this future kingdom that was going to be ruling over all, right? And so inside of that chapter 9, verse 9 is where we find this verse that talks about, Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So we see this prophecy in the midst of all of this chaos, all things are going to be made right be looking for the Messiah to come this way. So anyone that would have known this prophecy, when they see Jesus riding on a donkey and they hear Hosanna, would have gone, is this the one? Is this what Zechariah was talking about? Is this what the psalmists were talking about in that story? So it would spark in them some kind of like, there's something different about this scene. Look what he says in verse 6, because he's going to point out some more of these Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in Jesus. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. 
Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So Jesus gets on the donkey. He's beginning to travel in, and people begin to, to worship him. They're cutting off palm branches. They're, they're taking off their cloaks, and they're throwing them on the ground. It's like this red carpet affair happening for Jesus. Only one time in the Old Testament do we see this happen, and it's in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, they threw down their cloaks for Jehu to become the king. It was like this sign that Jehu was being accepted as the king. Now we see this happening for Jesus. So he's riding down the hill, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now this name, Hosanna, means save us, salvation, please, Lord. It's talking about salvation. Can you do me a favor? If you were there, I want to know what it would have sounded like, right? So can you all say Hosanna? One, two, three. Hosanna. Pretty good. Yeah, you are pretty good, right? That's what it would have sounded like. But they would have continued to chant it. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. That everybody that's around, everybody that's looking down from a Hosanna. And they're screaming as they walk with Jesus before him and behind them. This is a party. Right? This is a parade. This is like Jesus is entering into it and salvation is coming. Now, this song, Hosanna, is interesting. They didn't just make this one up. Right? This actually comes with Psalm 118. Right? If you go back into Psalm 118, this is a psalm that was often sung on the way to Passover. Families would sing this psalm, and they would begin to sing it going up to um, do the sacrifice for, of the lamb. And so this is a common um, singing part. It's an amazing psalm. I don't have time to read all of it to you, but um, it's amazing stuff. Let's pick up in verse 25, though, and kind of see how it finishes out. Um, verse 25 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. Save us, O Lord, is this term, Hosanna. So they would, this would say, Hosanna, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Woo! Such a good song, right? They're saying, listen, save us. Save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? He is the light that will shine upon us. Jesus is not only the vine, but he is the light of the world, right? But notice what it says next. Bind up the festal sacrifice with cords. This is the Passover part. And here comes Jesus to be that Passover lamb for us at the season of Passover. So all throughout history, as people would sing this psalm, going up to the, the steps of Jerusalem, all of it was just a rehearsal for this moment in time. All the Jewish people had been rehearsing over and over again for the moment that God himself would step into the world and come into Jerusalem. What a beautiful picture. What an amazing story. Jesus isn't just like, oh, maybe I should do this. No, God is directing his steps, and all of these things. So then it says, And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? Like, guys, what's going on? Who is this? And the crowds told him, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. 
And so if you were Jesus, you had just ridden into Jerusalem, where would you go first? The temple, right? You would go to the temple mount. You would go there as well, right? And so Jesus is fixing to enter the temple. Now, I want to give you another picture of it. We showed you a modern-day picture of what the Kidron Valley would look like from the Mount of Olives. This is sort of a replica of what it might have looked like from the Mount of Olives looking down on the actual temple mount, okay? So, so look at this video real quick because it will show you kind of like a, an overhead view of these different things that are playing forward, okay? So notice the temple mount. Maybe imagine more gold that is on there, right? But Jesus would have ridden through this valley and then up this road to the left to where those reddish sort of colonnades are, right? That would, they would have gone through what's called the Gate Beautiful. Do you remember the Gate Beautiful where the guy was healed and he was jumping and leaping and praising God, right? That Gate Beautiful would have been where Jesus would have walked through into the Temple Mount. And on each side of him would have been these different booths that were doing different things inside of um, the temple. But fixing to get spicy, right? Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus is fixing to enter the temple. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons, right? In, when he walks into the temple, the house of God, the house of prayer, and he looks around, it turns into a marketplace. People are trying to make money off the sacrificial system. People are trying to make money over changing in and out of the money. Isn't that disgusting? Making money off the church? Making money off the believers? And so Jesus comes in, and he's fired up. Now, are you picturing this scene? Like, you're picturing, here he comes, right? He walks in, and he's running down, and he's like, what are you doing? And, like, pushing things over, and he's, like, grabbing chairs and, like, throwing them everywhere. I mean, this is chaos. Birds are flying. Animals running down the aisle. This is craziness. He, can you imagine it? I mean, we're very, very nice, and y'all are so quiet and, like, so, so calm. But, man, he is, we know other places there's a whip involved. And he's coming around, and there's just people like, what has happened? Why was Jesus so fired up? Because this was his father's house. Who who are you to come into my father's house, a house of prayer, and you're bringing your own desires? You're making it all about you. You're not willing to walk to Jerusalem with your sacrifice. You'd rather buy it there? You're not willing to just help people out that came from a far-off country to exchange their money? You're not willing just to help them. You want to make some profit off of it? You're not willing to serve the Lord inside of the temple? I wonder what you're doing outside of the temple. So Jesus, when he comes in to this place, there's just a, what are you doing to my house? And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Whew. Let's not let the temple which is our body, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, let's not make it a place of money changers and a den of robbers. How is your heart? How is your mind? I don't know about you, but there's times Jesus has to come in. He needs to flip some things in my mind. There's times that my thoughts are not always honoring to the Lord. There's times that my heart is not feeling the way that God wants me to feel. My heart's not broken for the things that break his heart. 
Sometimes he has to come in and he has to have an upheaval and tear up the things that are in my heart so that I could be more like him. This is the picture that we have, but in extreme form. Are you picturing it? Chaos, birds everywhere, and they're looking around like, and what does Jesus do? And then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. This wasn't like he ran in, tore it up, and then ran off. He, he's in there, and he, he cleanses the temple, and he is still in the temple. And people come to him, and he begins to heal the blind, heal the lame. And, and, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Whew. This hit me different. This is one that I would circle and highlight. You see, the chief priests and the scribes, these Pharisees, they saw the wonderful things that he did, and they were still indignant. They saw the wonderful works. They saw the healing of the blind men, the lame. They saw all these things, and they still rejected him because it wasn't them doing it, because he wasn't fitting inside of their box by which they expected him to be. And so even though he was doing wonderful things for the people, the people are shouting, Hosanna. They saw God at work. They called him a prophet, and yet the Pharisees couldn't see it. Who's blind now? These blind men, son of David, have mercy on us. Those that should have known the first the references out of Psalm 118, they would have known the prophecies of Zechariah. They still reject him. They're unable to see their blind guides leading people off a cliff. First of all, I don't know about you, I don't want to follow a blind guide. I just don't. Right? I want to follow the Lord. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful that what we call good and what we, we look down upon, let's, let's, we shouldn't be looking down upon anybody, should we? Or any situation, right? Who are we? We're humble. We need to be the ones serving others in these different situations. Let's not let the church be the one judging. I don't want to be on the Pharisee team here. I don't want to be upset when God is doing great things for other people. Remember a few weeks ago, are you celebrating the success of others? Here's that same echo in these verses here. And, they, and he said to, they said to him, did you hear what they are saying? And what did Jesus say? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You don't think I heard them? And Jesus said, yes, have you never read, pointing back to the Old, Old Testament again, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. So he's quoting out of Psalm 8, another messianic psalm in the Old Testament. Everybody agreed that this was a messianic psalm. Look at it with me. If you're going to memorize something, you know, if you want to have a challenge and memorize, memorize Psalm 8. Just a beautiful, beautiful picture. It says, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Am I the only one who remembers that song? Okay. Um, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. That out of the mouths of babies there will be praise and there will be strength so that I can stand firm against my enemies. Here's their enemies. Wonderful things, still indignant. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, 
What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. As Jesus walks to Jerusalem, who are these blind men that he cares for them? But yet he does. The son of man that you, you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. That Jesus stepped out of heaven into the earth. But then after this week, after this week of parables and teachings and betrayal and torture, there's going to be glory. They're going to crown him with glory and honor and praise. This is the picture of Jesus that we see in this triumphant entry. Are we ready to be judging others according to the way that God wants us to judge them? Showing the love, forgiveness. Do we have time in our week to be like Jesus, to stop when we see people that are in need? Are we going to be like this example saying, Lord, save us. We give you all the praise. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful picture that we see, Lord, of your entry into Jerusalem. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see you through right eyes. So, Lord, you'll help us, Lord, to be um, spicy about the things you want us to be spicy about. Lord, you help us to praise you. Lord, I thank you for this Old Testament um, reminder, Lord, of how beautiful the Old Testament is and how it weaves together this amazing story of who you are. Lord, help us to recognize that this week and to give you all the praise. We pray all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, I hope you were blessed by the word today as I was. Uh, we do have a few announcements for you before you head out. Uh, Chris and I are going to tag team these. We're going to do a great job this round. <laughs> you got your Bible ready? We're ready? Okay. Get ready. Get ready. So the first one is this. Um, students and parents of students uh, who are in youth group, we have a MERSE coming up in February. That's going to be February 16th through the 18th. That is going to be our weekend retreat. That's going to be overnight. We're going to have some host homes. We're going to have some amazing speakers. Well, two amazing speakers and me. Oh, um, it's, I thought- uh, I thought I was not an amazing you were, you were You're one of them. Oh, but we, we're going to have a really great time. It's going to be awesome. There is a QR code outside that you can scan um, to get signed up for that. Um, if you have any questions about that, though, come talk to me. Come talk to somebody involved in youth ministry because it's going to be a great weekend. We have plenty of spots, and we're going to be ordering T-shirts soon, so you definitely want to get registered for that. It's going to be a blast. But uh, sign up for that. Immerse 2024. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be a host home for some sweaty boys. It's going to be awesome, all right? We're going to have a blast. Hardly any sleep that weekend, but it'll be a, be a blast with some of the boys. But also, I don't know about you, but I'm a little hungry. I don't know if you're hungry or not, but as you walked in, we kind of planted the thought. But as you leave, I'm on the right side. We're doing our hamburger fundraiser for our Honduras trip. Um, a group of us are going to Honduras this spring break. An amazing place to go on mission. Many pastors that we love to pour into. But everything that is donated goes towards that Honduras mission trip and, and getting us there and getting us there safely. So um, love. The, I know they say $5 per bag. Whatever you want to donate is awesome. It doesn't really matter. If you don't have your money today, it's okay. Just go out there, get a burger, enjoy some time, fellowship together as well. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a burger for breakfast. It was great. I was really hungry and I was, didn't eat, so I, I went and gave $5 and had a delicious hamburger breakfast. So it's definitely good for breakfast. It's great for lunch. Um, any dads in this room, dads with daughters specifically, we have our daddy-daughter dance coming up February 10th. Uh, it's going to be a blast. That was actually 
your church's first exposure to, to me and Amy, more specifically Amy. She took pictures for it a couple of years ago, and now she gets to see all these people that we now get to call a church family um, from that dance. But if you're a dad with a daughter, um, an adult daughter, a baby daughter, anywhere between, like anything like that, please come. It's going to be a great night of fellowship and, and dancing and fun, and so we want to invite you to that. It's going to be a blast. Uh, make sure you get ready for that. Yeah, if I can talk my daughters to come back, we'll be there. Right? <laughs> Thailand might be a little bit hard flight for that. But um, also, one of the things we want to do is kind of highlight you about amazing things that you support without even maybe realizing it around the world. So these are two of our missionaries that are in Romania. A few years ago, we sent two of our families to Romania. Um, they have since returned. are still doing great ministry around the state of Texas. But we really started a work there that's continuing um, through Tavi and, and Nicoletta and their family, but also through Alex and Ankutsa um, and their family as well. They're the two that run what's called Catalyst um, in southern Romania in a town called Dragonest Olt, a really dark place. Anybody heard of Dracula before? Right, that started in Romania, right, in the kind of northwestern part of Romania. And that, that darkness is all over Romania and the, the town there. But pray for them. Pray for their families that they minister. They just started up Catalyst again. They had 30 kids this last week um, at that Catalyst. But we just want to continue to pray for them and their ministry there as well. And thank you for your support. Um, our church as a, as a whole just supports them um, and the ministry that goes on there. And this summer we'll be taking a trip to Romania right towards the end of July and early August. We're going there to run a youth camp. A feud-style camp we're going to be putting on there as well. So it would be a blast, maybe. When you, some of you want to go with us on that trip as well. But, Jane, do you mind praying for Alex and Nkutsa and Tavi and Nicoletta for us? Absolutely. Thank you. Father God, I thank you for this day. Um, God, as we close out this worship time today, Lord, I pray that it would not be the end of worship. God, as we leave these doors, as we walk out and go back into the world, Lord, that we would bring worship with us, that we would bring your light with us. And I pray, Lord, that that light, that gospel, that hope, Lord, would begin to, God, just spread throughout Romania, through Tavi and Alex and their family, God, that as you would move through them and their work, Father, that as it is a dark place, Lord, that we know, Lord, that your light cancels out darkness, God, that your love cancels out hate. And so, Father, we just pray right now that you would be moving through them and their efforts, God, as they're pouring into kids, God, as we prepare, Lord, to go do camp there, as we prepare, Lord, to, to share our love, God, that you would continue to work, that you would move. Lord, we trust you. God, we know, Lord, that you move in your most perfect ways. God, that you move through willing and faithful servants. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone who's working there, God, use us as a church, Lord, um, however way that you, we, we can be used. Help us to be faithful to you, faithful to this cause. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jaden's going to leave us with a verse because he can actually read it. And <laughs> I, I've been having trouble reading this verse today. So Jaden, you want to leave us with the verse? Absolutely. Psalm 78, verse 4, it says this. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Church, we love you. You are dismissed.